I'm Amber. I'm Jackie. And I'm Jacania. And we're the real lens. A twin aunt and niece trio reviewing our favorite shows, whether for past or present, shows that got canceled that we think should come back, teenage dramas, novelas, and so much more. So stay tuned. I'm really excited about today's episode. We're talking about a different kind of coming of age series called The Gordita Chronicles. The story follows Carlotta, or also known as Cucu Castelli, and her family when they immigrated from Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic to Miami in the 1980s. The creator of the show, Claudia Forresteri, wrote the show based on her experience, and it was produced by Eva Longoria and fellow Dominicana Zoe Saldana. So we're all Dominican, uh, Jekane and I are first generation and Amber technically is first, but you know, our sister came in like as a child. So technically Amber's like second, but what is unique about our perspectives is that despite us all being born in New York, um, Amber's the only one that was raised in Miami and the show is based on Dominicans who immigrated to Miami. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, the lived experience of being a Dominican in New York and Dominican Miami is different. So I guess I'm going to start off with like representation in media and how crucial it is to see like our faces, Latino faces um, in on television and film. And Gordita Chronicles really did provide a platform for that because we are used to seeing the Latino narrative being mostly Mexican. So seeing like a Dominican family was pretty cool. So how do you think that the show represented Latino culture and why was it significant? So, I mean, the show is based on the 1980s, so it was totally a different time. I think that for you and I, we might relate a little bit more to that experience. However, um, also having lived in Miami during my college years, I could see a lot of um, different dynamics between Latino culture in Miami. Um, because it's even though, yes, Latinos come from all countries, we're not all the same. But I think the show did an excellent job in like demonstrating who we are um, as people, even like with words that we use, uh, cultural norms, uh, like inviting when whenever you would have people over, offering them coffee, things like that. We do see those themes throughout the show. And I um, I mean, there's there's so many topics like it's such a broad subject to really answer this, but it's a show that's very much needed, especially because of what other shows are out there that represent us. That may not be as accurate, um, but mm-hmm. I guess we could touch on that a little later. So as the only Dominican here, like raised in Miami from childhood to adulthood, I really appreciated it in the show. They showed the true Latino culture of Miami, which is primarily Cuban. So um, in several parts, it shows that the mom, she was struggling acclimating herself with the rest of the women in the barrio because they were mostly either Cuban or they were Colombian, which is exactly the demographic um, even today. 
And I like how they made that important distinction that there were not that many Dominicans in Miami. It literally was, it's either you're Cuban or you're Colombian, but 75% of the time, 90% of the time, you were probably Cuban. (laughs) So you still had like a little bit of a culture shock because even though they're fellow Caribbeans, you still are seeing more of you know, their little individual customs or maybe their oh, slang yeah. terms. Like we would like a Dominican would never say, que bola city. But you know, yeah. that, yeah. so, you, know you can find yourself. I'll be saying it now. You may yeah. find yourself, you know, saying that. And for me growing up, like nobody knew what a Dominican was. Like people would ask me all the time, oh, what are you? Uh, are you Cuban? I'm like, no. Like, are you Puerto Rican? No. Are you Colum- No. And then they would like keep asking, <laughs> okay, so what are you? I'm like, I'm Dominican. And they're like, the heck is that? Like, you know, and I like that they were very accurate in that because a person from Miami now, they'll be like, oh, yeah, but Dominicans are super popular here. Yeah, recently, because yeah. a lot of the Dominicans that are here, yeah actually came from New York, including myself. (laughs) So there's such a mass migration of people from New York that are Dominican that Mm -hmm. now we have so many Dominicans here. But that's true. Mm -hmm. um, And most Dominicans, most Dominicans in Miami are in Alapada. So where I believe in the show, she moved to Hialeah. They all moved to mm-hmm. Hialeah. And that's a huge Cuban community. Yeah. I mean, all of Miami really is. And even for me, like going to college in Miami, I had never met a Cuban person before, even though our islands are very close together. Close to each other, yeah. So, so for me, it was a culture shock. So I totally understand how she was trying to navigate a totally new culture mm-hmm. because even though we're similar right there are some nuances between us that right. we might not share but there is that one thing that really brings us together our, our language and which is what i loved about them sharing a cup of coffee because that's something that like i said it's a ritual we talk over coffee we really like i guess you would say you break bread together in that sense. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's something that I wanted to touch on specifically about how the show really portrays Latino culture. And um, in the beginning, you see how uh, the dad, he is struggling with wanting to provide for his family. Mm -hmm. And this pressure of being a man and having that like I got to take care of them financially and I have to keep them safe. And I think it was important for the show to show this because I think a lot of times we are shown a very negative side to machismo, not to say that I'm condoning machismo, but um, there's always this negative connotation of men have to do it all and I run this place. Whereas you see this family unit really trying to work together to be to to have a better life in a in a new country where English is not even their first language um and he's struggling to to bring his family into a place that they can come to love and enjoy because 
the opening scene of when they come to <laughs> Miami, they're like, why is this so dirty? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't come comparison to DR, right? So, I think that, this is crazy. I think, I think that that really does kind of show like the significance of it all. I think a lot of people um, think about Latinos who immigrate to the, oh, we lost Amber. We're going to pause here and I'm going to start over. <coughs> Let me. Okay, so yeah, so I think that the significance part where you were talking about like showing um, like immigration stories about like how this family uh, came together um, and we're working together just to, you know, have a better life than what they had, which is kind of interesting because in the show, like their life wasn't even that bad in the Dominican Republic, but he came here for like a, a job opportunity that was going to be a lot more lucrative. Of course, it's, you know, Dominican pesos and US dollars, there is no comparison there. Um, however, we don't really see those stories on film. What we see is like suffering and um, uh, crime. And so I think it was very special to see specifically a Dominican story um, about like triumph and love and family and friendship, you know, based around this Latino family of, you know, that people haven't really been exposed to. So it's like Amber was saying earlier that a lot of people haven't met Dominicans before. Like if I go to the West Coast right now, people would be like, what are you? Because they can hear that I speak Spanish. I don't look, you know, a specific way. And they're probably like confused. So, you know, they will automatically assume everyone's Mexican, but you know, that's not, that's not what it is. So it was good to have like, you know, go to the Chronicles did that, you know, placed a different type of Latino on, um, on a platform that way. Yeah, it showed that newsflash, like just because you come from a Spanish speaking country, it doesn't mean that you don't know English because they actually are taught English. And, you know, the higher up you are in the social ladder and the economic ladder, you know, you grow up knowing at least two languages. So I like that they were able mm -hmm. to show that side of Dominican Republic, not just you know, the side of people that don't have as many opportunities, but this family that actually was very well off. And then when they get to the US, mm -hmm. he's like, oh, I thought I was going to be making more money, but I'm <laughs> yeah. finding out the taxes here are killing me. Yes. Yeah. He's like, did and you forget to give me a part of my check? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting funny? that you said that, Amber, because when you go to Europe, people are expected to speak multiple languages. Why is it that when you come from a Spanish-speaking country, the assumption is that you are not capable of speaking another language? Is it because we're impoverished? Is it because of how society views Latinos? I, I don't know. But it's interesting that you mentioned that. And yes, there are a lot of Dominicans who learn English in, in the Dominican Republic. Well, I will say I did find that a little bit alarming when I was watching the show. And I was like, and I'll tell you why, because of the time. Mm -hmm. um, the 80s, not a lot of Dominicans knew English. Um, you know, a lot of them, and I say this from, you know, a New Yorker perspective, a lot of Dominicans didn't know. My aunts, my uncles, my parents, they didn't speak English at all. 
Um, they've had to pick up English when they came to the United States, but it wasn't very common. Like you had to be well off in order to have that opportunity. So I think that because their family was well off, you can see like there was even a class distinction in the Dominican Republic that allowed them to have that opportunity in order to migrate in a different way and not like running from poverty. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So true. So as Dominicans, do you think that this show really represents our culture? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Because the moment the mom, um, and I forget her name, um, Adela. Adela. <laughs> so when Adela says, ofrecome, I was like, oh my God, because that's like my favorite word. Like, and that's such a Dominican word. And we hear um, Juan Luis Vieira say that a lot. So as soon as she said yeah. that, I was like, oh, I'm so happy that they use like authentic Dominican uh, words that are rooted in like Ta- in like Taino language. So yes. So that's why I was just like, oh my God, like it, I feel like I'm looking at my family and it helps yeah. that the actress is actually Dominican too. So it was just like, I, yes. I love that. Yeah. And what about you, I feel like every character represented what Dominicans look like as well Mm -hmm. because literally if you want to be represented you could find basically the person that represented you by each family member for example Mm -hmm. for me her sister um amelia i feel like that's me you know like we have like the same kind of like skin color we have the same hair texture Mm -hmm. and then you know for others we have cuckoo who's more dark skin we have the mom that's like in between and then we have the dad that's like looks a little european um <laughs> well, he's character italian. Is italian he's dominican oh, italian he was yeah oh he's really? dominican italian he's oh. cuban in real life yes yeah. but he's dominican italian which we, a lot of dominicans have italian ancestry like that's not yeah. like uncommon mm-hmm. so the first president yeah. of the dominican republic was an italian man Mm-hmm. right so yeah. we have so, to remember yeah. that part of our history and it was realistic because people may look like oh how did cuckoo come out to be dark when her parents are not that dark well they showed the grandmother the grandmother was dark so and for example mm-hmm. my grandmother your guys's moms right mm-hmm. she's she's dark skinned but none of her daughters came out her <laughs> same color yeah you know so it just goes to show like phenotypes genotypes like we all have it in us. We all have African in us, even if it's not apparent. We all have European in us, even if it's not apparent. We all have indigenous in us, even if it's not apparent. We're a mix of all of those things. So yeah, it was really nice to so see beautiful. that the characters that they chose, they all represented all like all it cultures like across like, the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it exactly. just looks like our family. I was like, I'm looking at my aunts, mm-hmm. I'm looking at my cousins. So it was so cool to see that. You're right. I I totally do feel like the show did represent our culture a hundred percent. Not with just with our language, just like our just our mannerisms, the way we do things, the way we uh, interact with one another. What I would have loved to see the most was more time, seeing them more time in the Dominican Republic because that was mm-hmm. so great to see, like her doing performances and them having family parties. Like that was such a great thing to see on screen because we don't really see that a lot. 
Um, because it's like you said earlier, what we see on TV is people struggling. Yeah. And in that first, first scene, when this show starts, it's, uh, it, you know, you see them in a family party and everyone's having fun. Everyone's dancing and everyone's just coming together to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Cuckoo real quick, because she's a newcomer and I love her. She's, she's actually Dominican and Cape Verdean. Okay. Yes. And Caribeña through and through. Um, how do you think the portrayal of Cuckoo's journey resonates with viewers, um, especially those who have like similar similar cultural backgrounds? Um, I think with Cuckoo, um, she's this child trying to navigate this like new world, make new friends. Um, and that's like a universal experience, but like the 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 cherry on top so to speak is that she's an immigrant so now she's like I have to find like you know and adapt to people that are not like me I have to get accustomed to their culture and it's like straddling those two things like I say the same thing like you know we kind of like code switch too right like in both languages and I say this all the time that how we're like, we have to be American with the Americans and we gotta be Dominicans with the Dominicans. And it's like, you're straddling these two worlds. And I think that she's coming to find like, she's still, she does have to adapt to that culture, but still keep that essence of herself, which she doesn't apologize for it. And I just love how confident she is. Even if she's like supposed to be like around 10 or 11 years old, mm-hmm. I think in the show. So I love how like, she just brings that essence of like, kids that that are born and raised in DR like they are very mature and very like you know direct and Mm -hmm. um just seeing that portrayed I I loved her experience going through that and it wasn't like this like bully girl who was being bullied because she didn't speak the language or anything like that so I really loved Cuckoo's journey yeah she was very blunt because there was one scene where um she was presenting to her class um and she had her note cards and she's reading off her note cards as like, so, like a, as a crutch for herself because she's like, oh, if I forget a word, at least I have it here. And then the teacher tells her, oh, no, you know, it's a law. You can only speak English. If you speak Spanish, I can't grade your work, whatever, whatever. And then later, and then later on in the episode, the teacher says deja vu. And she goes, what did you just say? And the teacher yeah. says deja vu. <laughs> and she's like, isn't that French? And she's like, why are you, why are you speaking another language? Okay. In class? okay. That's not English. She had detention, but <laughs> that was just one of the moments. Like this show was just so funny. It's, I it's, I, but really that's such an honest, that's such an honest reaction from her. Like we think it's that, that she's being bold, but she's a child and kids. Yeah. <laughs> what they're thinking right so Mm -hmm. and like and she's also from a different culture so she's probably asking this question with like actual authenticity like she's just like I just want to know you told me I couldn't speak my own language but here you are speaking another um so why is that okay and not when I speak Spanish you know why is that wrong you know so Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love her I think she's amazing um, I think for sure, like viewers need to see that experience. And there's also similarities, right? Because as Jagania mentioned before, we, even as American people, we went to that, we went to school, we had to make friends and we had to adapt. Mm-hmm. 
Um, granted, our experience is a little different because we're first generation Dominican American. Yeah. So we had to adapt to a totally different life here as well, because mm-hmm. at home it's DR, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, totally Dominican. And then when you we leave those four walls, right? When you leave those four walls, you're you're American. So I think that a lot of what are we though? <laughs> yeah, um, we're being yeah, realistic. Yeah, to we are. I mean, you know, when we go to DR, they know we're gringa. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean because mm. we do have to emphasize the fact that, um, yes, we are American because we were born here. But a lot of people in the world, like culture, cons- you mean, consistently ask us, "What are you?" Right? Yeah, because when you're not someone so. who's visibly white, and that's just mm-hmm. the reality, mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. othered. Right. Mm-hmm. So, of course, people are going to ask that question, whether we were Asian or another culture. That's I think that I mean. question would be asked no matter what. Yeah. Um, so I think the the theme of this entire show is crucial for any race, any culture, ethnicity to really watch, because mm-hmm. it really shows like the, the dynamic of someone experiencing American culture for the first time, especially in the 80s, because <clears throat> I think we're more open now. Yeah, <laughs> but agreed. Um, speaking of Cuckoo, who we love and adore, there's something else that she struggles with. Um, and we see this throughout the show. Um, Cuckoo, um, as you know, is called Gordita, hence Gordita Chronicles, means little chubby girl. Usually we use that like a term of endearment, but how do you think the show really touches on the topic of like self-esteem body acceptance and or body positivity and how does it like challenge beauty standards so they were very intentional in making her gordita and not like making her like this thin child because we tend latinos in general we tend to be heavier set because we have the thick hips you know we may have a booty um and i remember when i was little when i was her age growing up i was what we call baby fat fat spelled with a ph if you know you know (laughs) (laughs) and you know i had a little baby and i always noticed like i remember like i would look at other little girls that were like white american or you know I would look at them and I would compare my legs to theirs. And I'll be like, why are my legs so much bigger? Why, why does, why don't I look like everybody else? Why is my stomach so much bigger than everybody else? And I no, but I remember feeling that way. And I grew up like feeling very insecure as a child, not because anybody told me anything, but because I could see that I was different. I was visibly mm-hmm. different from everybody mm-hmm. else. And then it just so happens that it's called baby fat for a reason, because then when you turn 12 and you hit puberty, (laughs) all of a sudden the fat from the belly goes to the the thighs and the hips. And I was very fortunate uh, about, you know, the Kardashian era that she convinced everybody being hourglass is good. So I got saved by the bell. I got saved by the time. I got saved by the trend. But, um... I'm really glad that she embraced it, especially when she entered the beauty pageant competition because they told her, oh, gorditas don't win beauty pageants. 
And she proudly walked around in her swimsuit. And she was like, I'm gordita and what? Okay. And she was like, I'm still beautiful and I'm still on and popping. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I even love that her name is Gordita. Like the title of the show is Gordita Chronicles. I think it's just kind of like loud and proud Gordita, right? Um, and it is used as a term of endearment. Like Dominicans have this thing where they just call you by your physical attribute. Like if your nose is big, they call you Natty Stone. If your forehead <laughs> is big, they be like Frentu. You're real skinny, you know, hey, flaca. <laughs> you know, so they do that. And, you know, for me growing up as a chubby girl, still fat, you know, I struggled with that because I was bullied and all that stuff. But it was good to like see her kind of like, I don't care, which wasn't common. Again, in the 80s, like like you were saying when you were growing up that you were comparing yourself. Like I had a similar experience like as a child, like, you know, you know, everybody looks different from me. Everybody's smaller than me and whatever. And people made it a point to point it out. And I was just like, well, maybe I'm the weird one, right? So it was kind of good to like just see her come into herself and just be like, yeah, I am. Like, I love myself. And I love that her family like didn't like make her feel bad about herself and they just like loved her and you know gave her, her pos- positive affirmations and all that stuff. So I love seeing that. Which is on, not on- common in our community. It's not common. It's not <laughs> at all. Like, let's it's be not. real about that because Girl. personally, as someone who also grew up <laughs> chubby in that age bracket um I remember how kids were just cruel like about your size or if you had an extra little roll in your belly you know kids are cruel so what I appreciate about the show is that it celebrates the differences even in our body types not just our cultures yeah but I think that it did a great job in showing that you can still be beautiful even with extra weight and what made Cuckoo beautiful is of course she's adorable but she had such an (laughs) awesome personality right Mm -hmm. um so for her to enter this beauty pageant it was important for her to prove to everyone that just because you got a little extra pound doesn't mean that you can't succeed at other things Mm -hmm. and in today's society unfortunately when you are someone who is overweight, you are seen as someone who is lazy and unsuccessful. You're also seen as and undesirable. And that comes in like every facet of your of your life, jobs, relationships, etc. So I think it was important to see Gugu have a really great relationship with her parents and them telling her you're beautiful and really reinforcing those thoughts because the reality is that when you're growing up and you're a little chubby, your your family puts you on diets, Mm. uh, they criticize you. And I know a lot of people had some type of relief when they were watching the show and seeing that happen, especially at that young age. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so good. It's a heavy topic. We could get, we could talk about this for hours. Right. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, this is not about that, but we love Kuku. She's so awesome. I just loved her entire character, like her image, everything, her confidence, all of it. 
So yes. So on that note, um, there is also another theme of family dynamics and intergenerational um, relationships. So how do you think that the show explores the complexities and relationships within the Castelli family? Um, that's a big question, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I think they did an accurate portrayal of like, the dynamics of a Latino family, like, especially when the grandmother comes from the Dominican Republic, right? Her mom and like how grandmas are such like, they're the matriarch of the family. And they kind of like are the head, even though there's a father, they kind of like lead. And that's very, very apparent in a lot of Dominican families where, you know, there's this respect for the grandma. And, but there's also like, the grandmother is also very involved in a very annoying type of way. So like, so we see, um, we see her kind of like interject in a lot of the decisions that the family makes for their children. So it was kind of sees them. It was kind of cool to see them kind of work that out because it's not a lot of the families that we know in real life do that. Like they don't really like confront the the grandma about like mm -hmm. being involved right so they kind of like just let it go and then have like this resentment for the rest of their lives so it was cool to see that um you know mm -hmm. that dynamic with the grandmother that's interesting I that you pointed that out because <clears throat> that type of uh conflict style so to speak is very like avoidant and you're right a lot of families in, La in latinos not just dominicans we see grandmothers as the ones who have because they're older than us. And there's also that respect for mm -hmm. your home. So to challenge their ideas or their opinions is like a sign of disrespect. Mm -hmm. um, and I think especially for that time, that era, like if you spoke out, spoke at your parent and said something, you were, you were talking back right away. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, so it's very interesting that we did see some type of, um, I don't, I don't want to call it reconciliation, but some type of like, um, just like a conversation really. Cause it's, it's hard. We don't talk to each other sometimes. <laughs> like we just kind of like, bury it. We bury it and just like, we'll move on. She's not here every day. Like who cares? But mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know, I think that there's a lot of complex relationships going on in this entire show. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about um, Cuckoo's parents, their relationship, right? It does take a lot. They're very much in love, but because they're in this new country and they're navigating their lives, <clears throat> it kind of puts a dent in their romantic relationship as well. Um, there's also the relationships with Cuckoo and her new friends. And the relationship of Cuckoo and her sister, Amelia, yeah, um, is also a strained one. And I wish we could have seen more of that because as one of four sisters, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen, <Yeah. laughs> I understand true. when there's tension and like trying to also be a part of, um, of what your sister is doing too because she's older and you want to be like her or you want to like spend mm -hmm. more time with her right so mm -hmm. but that's a whole that's a whole other topic 
<laughs> but Amelia was going through like, her to... own journal. Right, um, right. Yeah, she was going through her own journey as like a teenager in America. She mm-hmm. was like, she probably like saw America as this thing, like, ooh, the American dream, and I'm gonna have this and I'm gonna have that. And I think Google was like, what's going on? This isn't you. And she was just trying to get to know her sister in a different way. So mm-hmm. yeah, that dynamic was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had wanted to talk about the parents because I just like how um, they showed a healthy, you know, family and relationship and how important it was for like the parents to be like on one accord. Obviously, there's going to be some strains. Obviously, there's going to be some things that, you know, they're going to have to work through together and stuff like that. But I like how open they are with each other, because I feel Mm -hmm. like in a lot of relationships, um, marriages, especially like the older generations, like you know mm-hmm. my grandmothers great grandmothers um there's not a lot of that like understanding of oh i'm the husband and i'm here to help you i'm the wife and i'm, I'm it's not mutual usually usually it's the wife giving everything and the husband really mm-hmm. giving nothing and i really like this one scene where um she what, what's the name of the mom again i keep forgetting Adela. 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 so adela's driving and she's driving reckless and the dad is like, yo, you need to stop driving so crazy. Like if you're in the DR. And she was like, listen, that was she was like, episode. no, for real. She was like, the reason why I drive the way that I do is because I can't escape from the Americanism no matter where I go. And this is the one time that I can feel like I am back home in the DR because sometimes I feel like I wish I was there and Mm -hmm. he understood her and I know that their relationship grew from that because they both admitted to each other oh we're both struggling you know so I really like that they showed right so I like that they trusted in each other confided in each other um in that way yeah I love their relationship I love how it was portrayed. Like there was like a togetherness. Um, They were having a lot of conversations and it wasn't like, you know, machismo, you know, that we typically see and that we're typically used to. So it was just Mm -hmm. good to see like that positive representation because what it does, even though like it wasn't indicative of the time, like, you know, it it wasn't really common to see um, Dominican men be that way. Um, it just kind of like changes the narrative a little bit just to represent that for like families mm-hmm. that are watching the show. Like this is a healthy <clears throat> way to communicate mm-hmm. um, yeah. with your children, with your significant other, with your mother or whatever it is, mm-hmm. even your employer, you know? So right. it's just like, it was good to see that. Yeah. Like on television, you don't have to display the stereotypical, you know, Dominican lifestyle. You can display the lifestyle that we should have when it's healthy because a lot of like we don't realize but as kids we look at the media and we basically model our lives after that so I think it's good to have that good example of what a healthy relationship looks like so that when you get older you can also be inspired to follow in those steps it kind of reminded me of like the uh, you know the shows we used to watch growing up like family matters um full house like it was just yeah the fresh prince like we saw like even though like they had like different um family dynamics 
it was kind of like showing you this is how you should communicate. A lot of people do pick up and uh, pick up like the like social cues from media, and that's why media is so important, and that's why I went to school for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is so important um, to like not just model that behavior, but to make sure that we're producing content about our own people in a positive light. And it's not like just gangbangers, drug dealers, and, you know, prostitutes, wife beaters <laughs> and prostitutes. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so it was good to see that. So I'm curious to know as well, which character's journey did you find the most relatable? Oh, <laughs> I feel like there were three people. First and foremost, Cuckoo. Girl, pick one. <laughs> it's three of them because I, I've gone through each of these stages, right? Avela, because she is a mother and I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. So navigating and also like navigating life in Miami is very, for me was very similar to Adela. And mm -hmm. a little bit of Victor, the dad, um, specifically because he's a provider. I am an independent parent. So being a provider as well, like navigating finances and trying to take care of your family and doing all those things. And also, and also being like present for my child. Like I totally identified with him too. And mm -hmm. obviously Cuckoo, because like we said, we are first generation. So navigating the school system <laughs> where your whole family only speaks to you in Spanish and now you're learning English and you're trying to understand the norms of this American culture growing up being gordita all of that mm -hmm. I totally identify with all three of these people but all different stages I of said my life. the one you related to the most <laughs> the one I, I think that she's just seeing it from like a general <laughs> Like it's a, so a, general, a, a, a perspective of her lifetime, I would say. Yeah, like, you know, like I can't say right now. Even yeah. at your age, okay. like you're, like you're, you're still so young. You're, you still have had this like journey, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, because I don't have like the life that you have, you know, we're twins. Um, I would have to say that I relate a lot to Google's journey. Um, because ella es gordita, I was gordita, still am, so I'm still, like, navigating that, and I didn't get the confidence that she had at 11 years old until I was, like, 20, you know, I didn't, yeah. I, I suffered a lot in, like, you know, like, in, in my, my younger years, because a lot of people were, like, looking at me like I was an alien, and I didn't realize, like, oh, I'm a person, <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. so when I was 20 years old and I was just like coming into my adulthood and realizing like, you know, my life matters, it's like I have a great personality and all that stuff. So I think I identify, even though that happened for me on a late, in a later age, I do identify with Google in a lot of ways. So, and also like mm -hmm. just straddling that whole like American Dominican thing. Like, you know, like when I'm in DR, I'm like super Dominican. <laughs> like, like I'm super Dominican here too, but like, I still have to like separate the two, especially like when I'm at work and all those things. So yeah, so cuckoo for sure. Um, for me, it's Amelia because um, <laughs> I one, totally see that. <laughs> one, she looks like me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like, you know, hair type yeah. and all that. 
Um, and also because I'm 24. So, you know, the last stage of my life was before this one was, you know, being a teenager. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's what I remember vividly, you know, trying to like fit in, even though low key, I wanted to act like I didn't want to fit in, but I did, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, finding out, man. right. And then finding out like, <laughs> oh, you know, I like this boy and all that. So I really related to her journey because I also saw her as kind of like um like an independent person as well in her own way. And that's exactly how I how I was. That, you know, I just wanted to live my little life, do my little thing. Yeah, I and I <laughs> so I feel like I can really relate to her um in that way. Um, but unfortunately, we will not be able to see more of this family because the show was canceled Whoa. after just one season on tomatoes, HBO Max. Tomatoes. <laughs> now known as just Max for some apparent reason. I'm confusion, <laughs> but um apparently the network doesn't want to focus on family-oriented shows anymore moving forward, and you're no longer able to even stream it in the United States. So they did our girls Eva Longoria and Zoe Sardanya Dirty. Mm -hmm. But um Tato, as we say. <laughs> Honestly, Tato. I think that means it's okay. That's fine. Oh my gosh. You said. Oh my God. I used to have a high school teacher who used to hate that. He's Dominican. He's like, no es tato. Está todo. And I'm like, tato. tato. What? I'm like, don't get out of here, Rona. <laughs> Listen, we all, every culture has their their terminology mm -hmm. they have suherga right they have their slang terms they have their every especially every like spanish speaking culture they all have words that we don't use like we say guagua people say autobus we don't say that even though we know it's autobus like leave us alone okay oh, well, it was an indigenous word <laughs> like, it is but so it's okay mm. we say tato we know it's not it's not tato but we say that to each other because we have commonality and we feel at home and even if with strangers that are dominican it just feels like you my family so tato mm -hmm. is right <laughs> <laughs> period right i do wish they would have put the show on a family network like it was ABC on the wrong or freeform because to be honest though hbo like hello that's where you watch sex in the city game of thrones like right. this is where you watch explicit content <laughs> and i'm not trying to give my kids the password to hbo max yeah. like, on wild. you know i, I know. honestly i think that it was on the wrong network mm -hmm. not everyone has access to hbo um, or now Max, but having it on a basic channel like ABC, as you mentioned, would have been the most appropriate avenue for them. Mm -hmm. um, the CW. I hope, you know, like, come on now. Well, no, the CW got a little raunchy. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. The CW, formerly known as the WB, has always been raunchy. Like, hello, we grew up in the One Tree Hill generation. Yeah, so. I don't know if that would have been the most effective, but because it's also a sitcom, it oh. should have been on, like, uh, ABC. Yeah, it should have been yeah. on ABC. It should have been yeah, on ABC. Yeah, because Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Yeah, because right. Jane the Virgin was on CW, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there were some themes in there. Um <laughs> <laughs> But it, it is unfortunate. I really hope that they fight for this show, even though it's been a while. But um, mm -hmm. let's talk. Let's talk about this real quick, though, because 
a lot of our shows are getting canceled, right? Mm. Why do you think Latino-based film and TV gets a lack of support? Well, um, one, because we are a minority, but I gotta, I, I gotta put a little flame to people's feet. I gotta put a little fire on your butts because we don't support our own shows. And unfortunately, it might be a combination of lack of interest in culture, in other people's culture. And also, like, the more generations we have in the United States, the more we start to lose our culture. And Eva Longoria, mm. um, she just recently um, produced uh, Flaming Hot, uh, that film. And she said something in an interview, and I I, I don't want to quote her because I don't remember it verbatim. But she said something along like you know along lines: we have to keep each other accountable of like supporting our shows. Like she's doing the content, she's doing the representation, she's producing. She produced it. the show. She produced Gordita Chronicles, and no one was watching the show. And I would post about the show, and nobody gave it the time of day. Why? Yeah, I because posted it, about it too. Because no, I chased me. No, I droga. Like if it's not narcos, nobody wants to watch it. <laughs> There's oh no God, sex so scenes. True. Yeah, like why does it have to be hot, spicy? You know, a reggaeton. As much as I love reggaeton, like it doesn't have to be that in order for you to support it. Even if you don't watch it, just hit play and let it play in the background. Like you know, I also need challenge to this. put this in people's faces yeah. as much as possible, and we're just not clicking play i don't know why and there was a lot of money involved yeah. in marketing gordita chronicles because i saw this everywhere and that's no true one, actually no one hit play I don't, and, uh, and, I don't know. which is rare because not it was rare because a lot of latino shows do not get the marketing that they should but they this don't. one this one had a little bit more because if i was saying it it's because right so you know we do need more marketing funding in there and we also need the latino population to stop and support our shows stop watching freaking keeping up with the kardashians and play our shows come on now period because what are okay. they doing <laughs> like I'm not a damn um, so I'll, amber you could go first and then i because i want to piggyback off of something jacania said so i actually wanted to say before jacania said it but that I feel like there was a lack of marketing, honestly. Like, the, usually in general, Latino shows have a lack of marketing because never have I ever, that's from another culture. And Thank that you. culture is more of a minority than Hispanics are. Like, we're mm -hmm. a very large group that we're going to outnumber the majority very mm -hmm. soon. So, mm -hmm. to be honest, there's literally no excuse why people are not watching it because we literally are almost the next couple of decades you know? yeah we, so, are, we will be the honestly it's all about lack of marketing honestly because for example ashley garcia girl genius okay that was such a cute show. on netflix that one was lit okay it was lit um, and i was sad that they took it off but also no marketing when do they ever talk about that show but never have so i true. ever that's pushed and all the down press everybody's throat 
Yeah. Because Mindy Kaling got a lot of money for that. That's why. But Mindy Kaling, we have to remember that she has a lot of ties in, in TV specifically. I'm not saying they don't, but Mindy Kaling had a very successful show on Hulu. She also had a she was she had a successful stint on The Office, which is a very successful show. So a lot of her relationships with these TV executives may have helped her to really catapult Never Have I mm -hmm. Ever. But and I think you're right, but also Never Have I Ever was on the right platform. There are more like explain Julie and the Phantoms then. Okay, Julie and the Phantoms did not have the same marketing. As never have I ever. Let's be real about that. But they were in the same network. They so were in the same network. You, everything is about sex. It's the combination of things. It has right? to be. It's a I'm combination you, everything's of about sex. marketing dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Marketing dollars, the right executive producers is not to say that Zoe Zaldana, who is one of the most successful Latinas actors out there. Dominicana. Dominicana, exactly. <laughs> And Eva Longoria, who we all know, everyone knows who she is, who's mm -hmm. also a successful actress, who's been investing dollars in the community as well. Unfortunately, this show, I feel like was a, and the show is amazing. I'm not knocking it, but I think that HBO picked it up because they wanted to cater to the Latino uh, audience. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. because they didn't put enough dollars we weren't there because like I said, no one's subscribing to HBO Max. People are subscribing to Netflix before they subscribe to HBO because let's be <laughs> we'll real, see about that. <laughs> after Game of Thrones was done, we canceled our subscription. You understand what I'm that's saying? True. That's so true. Let's, I think that's what it is. And this show, like I said, a sitcom did not belong on HBO. So that's true. And then the last point that I'm going to make before I continue rambling, because you mentioned, because right. <laughs> we were talking about why do you think there's so, a lack of support, right? Mm -hmm. Like Eva Longoria stated, as you said, we are the problem. We do not invest in our shows. We do not watch our shows. We don't make it viral. And unfortunately, shows like with love gentified even the lincoln lawyer has a latino cast now the not yeah. full latino cast but we're not pushing these shows and we have to because we need to see more of us on screen the gordita chronicle i've never seen a dominican family on a tv show ever it's always the mexican people and that doesn't represent all latinos so it was great to see this and I hope they pick it back up. And I'm just going to end it on that note. Well, no, um, but honestly, I think it's also the plot. Because as I've been saying, you. a lot of these shows that are Latino, they're very like childish plot to people. And this society is so sex driven that they're not going to watch it if they know mm -hmm. that it's a wholesome show. Yeah, because Never Have I, I Ever, episode one, She's like, so do you want to like have sex? So like everybody's tuned in because they're trying to find out. Are they gonna do it? Jane the You're Virgin. Jane right. the Virgin was a successful Latino show. Why? Because they're tuned in. Oh, is she gonna do it? Is she gonna and do is she it? She's gonna lose Wait, her recon. Pause, pause. And that's fact. Pause because Jane the Virgin 
was Juana la Virgen. That is a, a telenovela. A, a telenovela from back in the day, and a lot of people don't know this. We know this because the these were novelas Betty. that we were growing up. Ugly Betty was Betty La Yo Soy Betty La Fea or La Fea Más Bella, the remake that I love the most, but whatever. Um, you know, it's it, it 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 was it was that. So a lot of that storyline came from Spanish speaking shows. So what what's the problem? It's when it's something new. Notice. But you're right, Amber. It's about like, you know, every, everybody's so sex driven that it's just like you know, you we said the same thing about Julie and the Phantoms. Like people were like, "Oh, it's, it's a little show." Like, okay, like I don't care care if I'm eighty years old. I'm still gonna watch YA because <laughs> these shows are so important and they're so they are wholesome. And we need now we need things that are like pure. Like it doesn't always have to be about sex. You know, even so, on Disney Plus, it would have been a better network. I agree. Actually, it would have been a great on Disney Plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope they bring the show back. I mean, what can we do? Um keep watching our shows. That's all I'm gonna say. They won't. <laughs> they they keep you know, I hope that there's a, a network or a platform, a streaming platform that will pick up the show. It's not streaming anywhere, so I'm hoping that there's like some sort of communication. But our community really needs to do better in supporting Latino shows because positive representation of us in the media does not happen unless we show up. Thank you so much for listening to The Real Lens Podcast. Follow us on all social media platforms, including TikTok and Instagram, or right here where you listen to podcasts. So stay plugged in as we continue to review your favorite shows.